This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I actually wanted those guys to be 8-0 coming into this game. Just to prove to the world that, uh, you know, this team is better than, you know, our record seems. Um, you know, we had a couple upsets, not a couple, but, you know, four or five upsets that, you know, came down the last second. Um, we, have a, we have a lot of talent. Uh, we know how to win games. Uh, you know, we just got to be consistent. Uh, this game, we were inconsistent sometimes, but uh, we kept fighting. Uh, we, kept ha we kept believing, and that's the thing that we had to do. We had to keep believing, keep working hard. We were just hoping we'd get the ball one more time with the chance to, you know, win it. And we got Tommy as a quarterback, I mean, biggest competitor I probably know, and hit Mr. Velcro Westy a few times. You know, he's not dropping it and got us into scoring range and just kind of worked out how we wanted. It's, it's undescribable. I mean, the amount of losses we've had in the last play of the game, it's ridiculous. And finally, one goes our way. Obviously, a huge win against probably one of the, probably the best team we've played all year. And I mean, guys were so happy in the locker room. Coaches were exhilarated. And it was just an unbelievable experience to be part of. And it's, it's, I'm never going to forget this day. And it was a special night in Memorial Stadium as Nebraska gets one of their bigger wins over a ranked opponent we've seen in the last several years um, as they take down Michigan State 39-38. Tommy Armstrong uh, leading back some some uh, late drama in the Husker victory as uh, Nebraska now 4-6 and six, heading out to Rutgers this week. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Uh, Dan Hoppen, Sean Callahan here, and Robin Washett and you know, Robin, we've been around a lot of these games, covering a lot of games, and so many times it's played out where these these bigger night game deals have come into play or just marquee matchup games for Nebraska, and, and they've fallen flat on their face. Michigan State comes in only losing one Big Ten game the last three years, a Rose Bowl ring, a Cotton Bowl ring, a Big Ten title ring the last two seasons, and um, Nebraska went toe to toe and 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 got the edge over a, a championship caliber team. Yeah, you got the feeling at the beginning of the week when the initial spread was, you know, what four and a half? Is that what it opened at? Those guys knew something. In yeah, and so that that immediately made this week feel a little different. I mean, just, there was on paper uh, hardly any to maybe even no reason why Nebraska should have won that game. But there's certain circumstances that don't necessarily show up on the. Final stat sheet. One, the law of averages had to eventually shift back in Nebraska's favor. I mean, you talk about a team that got every bad bounce possible through the first nine games of the season. It's Nebraska. So eventually the luck had to shift in, in their favor. And then two, there's just something special about Memorial Stadium at night that you can't account for. I mean, Nebraska is a completely different team. The fans are, you know, a completely different animal. And it's just an environment that, you know, is is hard to hard to replicate. And for an opposing teams, you know, I think the Michigan state linebacker after the game says you know you think you know how difficult of a place it is to play but you don't really know it until you are on the field experiencing it and then i think that uh, that got to michigan state a little bit yeah nebraska's won their last 18 home games at night 12 of those have been decided by at least two touchdowns there's something about memorial stadium at night that's a real thing let me clear my throat here. This has become the new song at Memorial Stadium here. You guys don't have your headphones on, so you can't hear it. But this has become kind of the uh, the go-to anthem. And this was blared about how many times? Around about four or five times in the stadium. Oh, yeah. But uh, 
it's kind of Nebraska's kind of adopted this thing as their uh, version of the jump around. Um, and you know, the minute they took the lead, the minute they won the game, uh, I think it was at the start of the fourth quarter. Th- this is kind of the the, the new go to song, uh, kind of like the new tunnel walk almost in Memorial Stadium. And we know the guy who you know is who runs the soundboard during those games. He says that this is going to continue. This is going to be a thing for Nebraska, and I think that's a positive. I mean, you saw it. It got not only the players into it, but the fans too. It got everybody jumping. Well, that one. My one thing is that I don't think that they've decided on a specific you know time every game they're going to play it. I think the thinking is whenever the the, the time is right. When, Drop the bomb. Yeah. When when uh, our buddy Chris uh, decides that you know this is the moment when I'm going to unleash. Let me clear my throat. That's when he's going to do it. So uh, it's not going to be like jump around where you know every at the end of every third quarter you know there's there's going to be this song. So that'll make it a little different. So team uh, fans got to be on their toes to to make sure to bring it every time. They'll get it. But they'll get it eventually sponsored, and it'll be like the high V. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> I, let's hope not. But please no. <laughs> yeah, the atmosphere. I mean, and for recruiting, and we'll talk more about Nate to Nate Klaus. But it was the perfect storm um, of everything, and I feel bad for those people that left because there were people oh, yeah. leaving. Um, you know, we go down in the fourth quarter, and it was Nebraska down twelve when I left to go down in the elevator. I saw a lot of people leaving. I saw one of the members of the NU Board of Regents leaving at that yeah. point. Uh, maybe he was going to watch it in the Champions Club or something, but yeah, there it, you go. it was uh, pretty surprising. And I would feel like a, a dummy if I left that game and told people, like, I was there, but we left. Well, as Brandon Riley said, I'm sure that they had better things to do than stick around and watch that the end of that game. But in fairness, them now I, I don't leave games early. I've never left a game early. But, you know, there wasn't – let's be honest here, guys. There wasn't exactly a feeling with Nebraska down 12 before – you know, that last uh, or second to last touchdown drive Nebraska had, did you feel confident Nebraska was coming back? They, Just... had, been, they had been stopped the whole the whole second half other mm-hmm. than Tommy's pick. That was, And then they had all three timeouts. I mean, that was kind of... Yeah, but just the way that things have gone this year, the fact that they're playing a very good Michigan State team, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not excusing the people that left early by any means, but I didn't feel confident that Nebraska was going to come back and win this game. And and they proved me wrong. They played great down the stretch. Well, based on the way things have gone, you probably should have assumed that it was going to be some wild, wacky finish just because every other game has been that. So The minute they went down and then scored that first touchdown um, to, to get it you know, within striking distance with all three timeouts, then you knew they at least had a chance. But even then, it was a struggle to get that touchdown. They had to go three run plays, mm-hmm. burn a timeout. How about Michigan State, though? They converted eight straight third-down passes, and they choose to run on third and eight. And uh, they not only call run play, it was a tight end reverse. You know, if they get a first down there with Connor Cook, game's over. Um, So I thought they played it awfully conservative, knowing that they were starting three freshmen in their secondary uh, that don't really have a lot of experience in the prevent and and those types of things. I mean, it, it just played out perfectly in so many ways for Nebraska. Yeah, and finally, it's kind of the exact opposite of the Wisconsin loss. You know, Nebraska was the one being overly conservative, running the ball right up the gut, three straight plays, and uh, giving Wisconsin the ball back to make that game-winning field goal drive. So it was, uh, again, just a complete flip of the way things have been going. You know, finally, Nebraska got the breaks and got the benefit of some poor clock management, and uh, it was uh, definitely a a good sigh of relief for everyone involved. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and we'll talk more Rutgers as the Huskers are – Trying to basically get bowl eligible. If they get the five wins this weekend, very, very good chance they're at least going to a bowl game. Obviously, you'd like to see them get to six uh, with the win over Iowa. Um, but Husker basketball does start up this weekend. Uh, Mississippi Valley State 
comes in for a season opener, and I caught the first half of the exhibition game against Northern State. Robin, uh, you were there. Um, it's a new look team. Uh, I really liked um, a lot of the newcomers. Um, you know, Ed Morrow particularly caught my eye just watching that game. What he's going to give Nebraska this year uh, with his just—he's a scrappy post guy that gives them something down there that they haven't had in a while. And um, it was exciting just to kind of see this new look team. Yeah, there's definitely an influx of athleticism, especially on the offensive end, which, if nothing else, is going to make for a more uh, entertaining product so you won't see the same stale offense pass it around and jack up a shot with two seconds left on the shot clock anymore i i don't think that's going to be an issue because one there's more athleticism and two they move the ball so much better than they did in the half court a year ago so uh, that's encouraging but you can you take it for what it is i mean they played a northern state team that shot one of 33 from three-point range i mean that's I don't know. I've never even seen that at any level of basketball that I've ever well, watched. Well, part of my thing, but it's a bunch of white dudes that shoot, you yeah. know, and they missed. I mean, it was unbelievable yeah. that like that many guys were missing. And I mean, they they were getting a little bit of they had some rebounds early on and were getting some yeah. opportunities. And they so yeah, that that was a concern. I think. I mean, Nebraska's you know low post. That's the big concern is how they're going to rebound. And you know they had issues early on. And one another thing that issue was with foul trouble with the rule changes, hand checks. Uh, yeah, the hand checks and the the, the freedom of movement uh, emphasis that's being put in college basketball now. That's going to be something to really keep an eye on. Is how Nebraska's bigs are able to stay in the game and not get hit with fouls early. And we'll have full coverage. Dan Hoppen will be at the opening basketball game for us as Robin and I will be in New Jersey. One, I'm going to put you on a spot here. Right. You look at Andrew White, his kind of early part, first time you've seen him. You think he's better at this point than Teron Petaway was his very first game at Nebraska, or is it too early to say? Yeah, it's way too early to say. If he can go out there and put up 18 points in Big Ten play, then, yeah, we'll see it. And, you know, again, I will say it, Teron Petaway got such a bad rap from a lot of fans, but if you really look deep into the circumstances he was put in, he was basically playing on one-on-five every time they were on offense. I mean, he had no help. Siobhan Shields had completely mentally checked out offensively by the end of the year. And, you know, when, when you're one guy out there being asked to do literally everything on the offensive end, uh, it's, it's really unfair to, to really knock the guy for, you know, a poor shooting percentage. All right, that's our basketball portion of the show here. We're Let's still go. in football season. Uh, we will uh, move on now. We'll talk offense as Nebraska. Can they put it together again this week out at Rutgers? That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. A lot of years of coaching. He's one of those unique guys that uh, wants back in uh, and goes in and is uh, seems to be unaffected by whatever has happened and makes plays. Uh, I think that is a, as much a mental toughness that it, as it is physical. He's totally engaged in the football. He's a really easy guy to coach, and he has got some unique talent uh, to make plays. Like I said before, this, this season's kind of been a roller coaster ride. It's been up, up and down and. Um, that was that was a huge win, biggest one of the season. Um, you know, beating, beating a ranked Michigan State, you know, and, and no one was picking us to win. So uh, we had a lot of motivation going into that game, and we're gonna have a lot of motivation finishing out the season as well. And that was junior Nebraska wide receiver Jordan Westerkamp, as he really got beat around on Saturday night in the win over Michigan State. Left the game in the second quarter with what was thought to maybe be a, a concussion. Uh, was cleared though for the second half. Um, caught two catches for 61 yards to set up Nebraska's um, game-winning score by Brandon Riley, but on the second catch had to leave the game. Was it with the 
getting the wind knocked out of him, guys, or was it the shoulder? He, or? Yeah, I, I think he just kind of got the wind knocked out of him. Uh, he he got up. It was actually pretty inspiring. As he was walking off the field, he was like gesturing to the crowd and waving his arms, and that got people pretty fired up. And so Jordan Westerkamp still he practiced all week. He's healthy, so that that's a good sign for the offense here. Welcome back to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead, and Dan Hoppen. And when you, when you look at these receivers. Right now, that has been the most consistent part of this offense. They've had their drops at times this year, but what Brandon Riley, Jordan Westerkamp, and Stanley Morgan have given Nebraska, Robin, I mean, if you were to kind of rank... And Alonzo Moore. And Alonzo Moore, yeah. Don't forget yeah. Him. Alonzo Moore's having a great He's year. He's been awesome. Uh, what that group has given Nebraska has been the most consistent thing we've seen with this offense all year. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We think Nebraska football, you don't necessarily think of, you know, a all-star core of wide receivers, but that's exactly what they've had this year. I mean, Jordan Westerkamp, I think it's not going to be until after this season is finally over that people truly appreciate what he's doing right now. I mean, He's got a legitimate chance to put up maybe one of, if not the single best uh, individual receiving performances Nebraska football. Well, no ever one's seen. ever had a thousand. Yeah, and so I mean, and he's got a couple other. And I mean, he's closing in on uh, Nate Swift's receiving uh, receptions in a season. I mean, he's five away from that. So uh, I mean, he, literally, he can go down as maybe the most productive individual receiver season Nebraska's ever had. And so I mean, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's been overshadowed by the lack of you know wins, but. Uh, like I said, I think in, when people look back on this year, what he's been able to do is uh, you, know, you got to tip your hat to him because uh, that game uh, on Saturday, there were some of those hits that he took that uh, I thought there was no way he was coming back after that, but he's been doing it all year long. The kid's probably the toughest guy on the team and uh, really sets the tone uh, for that entire uh, sideline. If Nebraska does, in fact, go to a bowl game, which it looks like they're going to, Western Camp is on pace to become their first 1,000-yard receiver. He's got 801 yards uh, in 10 games, three games left, so he would get it. And I love this about it. After that Wisconsin game, he was only targeted three times. Mike Riley said, yeah, we need to get Westerkamp the ball. We're not doing a good enough job. Well, the four games since then, 43 targets. <laughs> He's got 27 the last two games. I mean, and you know, we're talking about how good he was against Michigan State. Nine catches for 143 yards on 12 targets. Those are incredible numbers, and he was just getting smashed on yeah. a couple of them. That one that he – I mean, there's some that he almost should just let go. when. Yeah. <laughs> when you're going to get hit like that on a two-yard catch or something, just don't even catch the ball. But that's not his mindset. No, he is uh, – Brandon Riley called him Mr. Velcro, um, you know, with his hands and just how well he catches the ball. And you mentioned Brandon Riley's got a chance – um, you know, he's got 650, right, Dan? Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's got a chance to be a good 8 850 type receiver this year, depending on how the next couple weeks play. Um, you know, I don't know if Nebraska's ever had two guys in one year, um, you know, when it's all said and done, that's, that have put up these numbers. And it's not a surprise. Nebraska is the leading passing offense in the Big Ten. Now, if that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing, that's for a whole other yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so I don't know if that's something that you want to say consistently at Nebraska, that you lead the league in passing. Uh, but Nebraska is the number one passing offense right now in the Big Ten. So it's not a surprise that these guys have uh, put up the numbers. You're listening here to the Husker Online Shows. Uh, we get ready for Nebraska going out to Rutgers. The other big storyline from the offense was Monty Cross. You know, Terrell Newby didn't practice all week. Um, he, they tried to let him go. He just wasn't effective. But you give Amani Cross 18 carries, 98 yards. He had a touchdown. Um, going into the game, he only had about 150 yards on the season. Um, so not only a, a season-best game, maybe a, a career 
uh, best game for Amani Frost. Yeah, the only game that would compare is that uh, performance against Illinois a year ago. So, I mean, that was it's been few and far between when we've got performances like this from Monty Cross. And I think maybe the most uh, encouraging aspect, you know, not only the final totals, but he seemed to get better as the game wore on. And, you know, as Nebraska's, you know, physicality up front in that power running game, it actually started to take a toll on Michigan State's defense, which came in as a, a top 20 rush defense in the country. So uh, it was extremely impressive that Nebraska, having struggled to run the ball in, you know, those power situations all season long, you know, was able to switch some things up on the offensive line, get Imani Cross involved, and look what happens. They come up with their biggest win of the season. To your point, Robin, second half, 10 carries, 62 yards. That's a great half for him. And, you know, coming into the year, it kind of looks like he might be that forgotten man. You know, Terrell Newby had all the speed and athleticism. Uh, you know, Divina Zigbo had the promise. Mikhail Wilbon and Jordan Stevenson, everybody wanted to see what they could do. And everyone was just kind of like, okay, Amani, you know, we, we kind of know what we, what we have in you. I don't think they win that game without Amani Cross and the contributions that he gave them on Saturday. So congratulations to Amani for sticking in there and, and not giving up and going away. And also, we, we'd be remiss if we don't mention the offensive line. Yeah, no, of course, no, yeah. no quarterback sacks. Uh, Tommy did avoid a couple on his own, um, but they provided a solid, you know, consistent power running a game against a defense that nobody thought Nebraska was going to be able to run power on. Um, but, you know, Seathan Carter provided great edge blocking, Andy Janovich. I love when they just line it up and go physical, and I think all Nebraska fans would say the same thing. Give me more Andy Janovich and Seathan Carter and even Sam Cotton on the field with Amani Cross and just get ugly because that's yeah. that's what these linemen at Nebraska want to do. That's what Zach Stirrup, that's what Nick Gates and Alex Lewis, they want to line up and, and play downhill football yeah. and have the tight ends and fullbacks out there. Throw big nasty Dylan Utter in there too. That was probably the best game he's played too. And you know, there's no coincidence that when Nebraska shifts to that power mentality, these guys play better. And uh, you got to credit the coaching staff. You know, they kind of got criticized a little bit with their decision to move stirrup inside you know it was like i love the move yeah. from the get-go who puts it who puts a six eight guard in there you know i mean there's there some some weird uh thinking behind that but you know it turns out that made them their offensive line get as good of a push especially on the interior as they've had all season and i think he's he's thrived in that role and you know he's going to continue to play there that's going to be their starting five for the rest of the season and uh after they're showing on saturday i don't see why not you know, you look at this game, guys, with Rutgers now going forward. I think it's going to be another game where Nebraska can attack a secondary. I believe Rutgers, like seven other nine guys in the set, in the back end are freshmen, first year or second year freshmen. Um, and they've given up 2,000 passing yards the last four games. Wow. <laughs> Against Big Ten teams, too. Wow. That's, that's tough to do. You know, uh, this is from uh, Bobby Darren in our Ask the Expert piece. He said, Rutgers has surrendered 48 points or more in each of their last four games, and they're 111th in the nation in total defense. The biggest challenge on Saturday will be finding a way to slow down Nebraska's offense. Rutgers is playing with three starting freshmen in the secondary, and it's not been helped by a pass rush that has only generated 11 sacks through nine games. Wow. Um, so the, I, I think this is a great matchup for Nebraska's offense if they show up and, and, and get it going. Here's another uh, nugget worth passing along courtesy of our uh, Red Sea Schools message board. It sounds like the weather forecast has kind of gotten a little less pleasant. Sounds like it's going to be you know cold, you know highs in the you know 40s uh, yeah. with uh, 25 mile an hour winds with gusts upwards to 40 miles an hour. So 
you look at what's Rutgers' biggest strength, throwing the ball to Leonte Carew. How much are they going to be able to do that with those types of wins? And uh, I think that this this all sets up for a recipe for Nebraska to go back to that power game, shut down the run, and um, you know make Rutgers' passing game try to beat you in uh, extremely uh, uh, less than ideal conditions. They want to run the ball though too. I mean, they have three running backs that have combined fourteen hundred and ninety-one yards: Paul James, Josh Hicks, and Robert Martin. And and that's how they get Carew going if he's available yeah. is those three running backs. But we'll talk more defense and, and Huskers uh, versus Scarlet Knights next. Uh, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Like I said, we've been through so many 15-second games per se, you know, with, you know, one one pass, you know, away from, you know, winning multiple games. But, you know, you just got to, like I said before, it's Michigan State. We're focusing on that. And those guys that went out there, go out there with a clear head looking just to play that play. We're not thinking about 175 plays ago, you know, whatever play that might have been. But they went out there, they did what they were supposed to, and we came off with the victory. And welcome back to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive end Greg McMullen, who came up big on a number of plays on Saturday night. Uh, the early fourth down and one stop uh, that kind of set the tone for the defense. But, you know, I thought the biggest play at the end of the game, I mean, this defense had been faced with so many of these situations this year where the opposing team's offense is on the field, losing, trying to, to win. And, and Nebraska has not done well in any of those situations this year. And here's Connor Cook on the 41-yard line with seven seconds left to go. Everyone's thinking the same thing. Well, he's going to dump it down the middle to the tight end or somebody. They'll call timeout. They're going to kick a field goal. They're going to probably beat Nebraska. Well, somehow that defense manned up, and they were able to get pressure on Connor Cook, force um, the pump, and that's all that needed to happen. I mean, they made a guy that doesn't make very many mistakes make a critical mistake. And the guy had only lost one other Big Ten game. So hats off to the defense and guys like Greg McMullen up front because they really brought the heat, Robin Washett. Yeah, for the first time all year, Nebraska's defense saved its best for last. I mean, that was probably the closest they got to uh, really flustering Cook in the pocket. And you see what what a difference it made, like you said. Uh, if they don't get that pressure up front, you're I mean, the way that he was throwing the ball, especially towards the end of the game, I think it's just basically a guarantee that he would find somebody open in your right. They would end up kicking a game-winning field goal. And, uh, you know, this unforgettable game would have been yet another, you know, gut punch that Nebraska fans and the team would have to endure. So, uh, yeah, hats off to the defense to, to coming up. I mean, they didn't make a lot of big plays in that game. They had the one interception, but, uh, you know, they, they made the big plays when it counted in the final seconds. And a couple big games from some guys who've kind of become whipping boys for Nebraska this year. They've been off criticized. Nate Gary has taken just unreal amounts of criticism, deserved or not. He had 14 tackles, two pass breakups. He played really well. Josh Banderas had 10 tackles. Uh, Jonathan Rose had the interception. Those are guys who have struggled this year for you know whatever reason, but they came out and played really well. So it was nice to see them kind of have that encouraging performance. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, uh, and, and there really weren't a lot of uh, stops on for either defense in the second half. I mean, the only stops were turnovers. Nebraska's interception there. I think the Huskers scored on almost all possessions other than their, their interception. Um, just not a lot of punts in general in this game. It was just an up-and-down game. But I thought the key for Nebraska's defense, other than those two early runs by Michigan State, they limited the Spartans' running game mm -hmm. where they made Connor Cook almost have to do it all on his own. And he darn near did. I mean, he was unbelievable yeah. completing eight straight third-down passes. And these guys weren't open. I mean, he was throwing oh, yeah. the ball in windows. Dimes. 
I mean, he's an NFL first rounder. No doubt about it. And, you know, after the game, Mark Banker said that that was Nebraska's best tackling performance of the season. They only missed four tackles, and uh, a lot of those tackles that they made came in space. I mean, those are plays that if you miss them, all of a sudden Michigan State's going for another 10, 15 yards, and that changes the entire complexion of a drive. So, uh, yeah, it was an all-around effort. You know, like Dan said, there were guys that stepped their games up finally after, uh, you know, really kind of having some some poor efforts earlier in the year, and it it took a total team effort from that defense to shut down Michigan State, especially with the way Connor Cook was slinging it around. You mentioned that early long run, Sean, as a 43-yarder. I remember when that play happened, it was almost just kind of like, oh boy, here we go again. You know, here's a Michigan State team that Nebraska can't stop. But on Michigan State's 33 runs after that, they gained 100 yards, 3.3 yards. And one of the, that's a great performance. And one of those other runs was a longer run. I mean, the, the rest had – I mean, they had two long runs, I think, from that run, running back. Yeah. And that was it. And then the rest were just moderate. You know. Yeah, not, not much going on. And let's go back to that fourth and one. I thought that was huge because Michigan State had strung off that long run on that same drive. And Nebraska on the third down play, it looked like the receiver – had the first down or the running the check down whoever they threw it to mm-hmm. and the referee gave Nebraska a good spot they didn't give them very good forward progress which put Michigan State in the fourth and one they could have kicked like a 45 yard field goal Mark D'Antonio's like we're going to get it and he tried to go right up the middle and Nebraska shut him down and it was like a 2 3 yard loss that Dan I thought set the tone and you could just see it in the emotion of the player I think Josh Kalu about jumped about 7 feet in the air the entire stadium just got a huge lift you know we talked about how important having that home crowd behind him was when you make a big play like that early that kind of gets everybody involved and gets everybody into the game and i think the defensive plays are almost bigger than the offensive plays and mm-hmm. getting the stadium going cuz i agree defense is just blue collar it's mm-hmm. tough it's physical and when this Big Ten championship team lines up and says, we're going to freaking get it, and you go in there and just say, boom, we're shutting you down. I'm getting a little, getting a little fired up here in the, in the <laughs> studio. Wrecking the podcast. Wrecking the podcast here, but <laughs> get a little fired up here with the uh... – Let's go. All right, yeah, but I, I totally agree with you. I mean, that the Memorial Stadium feeds off defense. I mean, the whole black shirt mentality. Offense is great, yeah, but – uh, when, when a defense comes up with a huge play, there's just something that energizes all 90,000 people in that stadium. And uh, those are the types of plays that made that such a special atmosphere that really kind of, uh, you know, fueled the team to, to make that win. Well, we just we just saw it in studio right yeah. now. How excited people. <laughs> I think if Let Me Clear My Throat would have come on, Sean might have started tackling somebody. <laughs> You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show as we get ready for Nebraska Rutgers now, guys. This is a Rutgers team that's struggling um, they want to run the ball. They're a physical team, but their best player, as we've talked about earlier in the show, Leonte Carew, a receiver that had five catches for 127 yards last year against Nebraska. One of those catches, a 71-yard touchdown, and I don't know this, but that had to be maybe the longest touchdown pass Nebraska gave up all year because Bo Pelini's defenses mm-hmm. didn't give up a lot of long t- touchdown passes. They gave up plenty of long runs, as we know, but um, you know, Carew was a great player that hurt Nebraska. Um, he's only played in 15 quarters, quarters, has nine touchdowns and 24 catches. Yeah, over 500 yards of receiving, too. 
so he is the real deal, and he they expect him to play. It's a matter of will he be mm-hmm. full effective or will he be more a decoy. Well, I know Nebraska's defense is expecting him to play, and you know Mark Banker the other day said that uh, you know this is going to be one of the few times where they have to account where a receiver is on the field at all times at every play, and so they're going to adjust their coverages around it too. I mean. Uh, they unfortunately don't have a lot of game film on him just because you know, he's been limited so much due to injury and suspension. But uh, when he's been on the field, they, they've noticed that they move him outside. He'll be in the slot and they put him in motion and do a lot of different things to try and get him matched up in you know favorable coverage situations. So Nebraska's defense is going to uh, make sure they know where Carew is on every single defensive snap. And he's averaging 22 yards per catch. I think just with the limited number of weapons that Rutgers does have, I think Mark Banker might be pretty wise to have a corner on Carew at all times and have a safety helping over the top. Over the top, yep. Yeah. Do you do you go Kalu on him or would you go John Rose? Kalu. Kalu. Given- Kalu probably played the best game of his career mm-hmm. last last week, and it, Banker said he was a man on a mission in that game. So yeah, I clue yeah nebraska normally doesn't have its cornerbacks follow receivers i feel like they play more one side of the field but this might be a a game where you make an exception uh because this guy's really talented and clue i think is by far nebraska's best in nebraska last week i I don't know who tweeted this uh but they mixed in some too high safety looks Mm -hmm. um and i I forget who it was that it might have been joe gans or, or somebody that obviously talks to the players more in depth about that stuff you know that nebraska mixed in the two high safety looks and that really confused michigan state so credit mark banker for adjusting it last week and and it sounds like they're going to make some adjustments Mm -hmm. on leontay carew as well so you got to make somebody else beat you you cannot let leontay carew come out and catch you know a couple 40 yard touchdown passes because that'll just set the set the whole defense back all right when we come back here we'll bring nate klaus into the show and we'll begin our weekly stock watch segment you're listening here to the husker online show you're listening to huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics i had a lot of fun i think i played pretty decent uh i still got a lot of work on though but yeah it was, it was a lot of fun I thought he played well. I thought he protected well. He created some holes up front, you know, being in a little bit of different position for him. There's just some, some different things, some new learning, but I thought he handled that well. I thought he played physical. It was good to have him in there. I think he really helped us out. You know, and I think he deserved those reps. He had played well at tackle and, and felt like he, uh, we needed to keep him in the game. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, Robin Washett, as we bring Nate into the show for our stock watch segment and um, we'll start out first with stock up Zach Stirrup. I mean, you, you look at the move. Um, I give Mike Havanaugh a stock up on that as well. Um, that's a veteran coach knowing his guy, knowing what he has, and just making the move and saying, hey, let's, uh, let's try something different. Um, let's put a guy that's played decent at right tackle and at right guard that's played a lot of football, and it, it's worked out really well. Well, it makes total sense, too, because, I mean, what, what are the biggest knocks on Zach Stirrup as a tackle? His lack of mobility against faster uh, pass rushers off the edge and so you eliminate that by putting him inside and basically maximizing his strengths of just physically dominating people with his 
you know, six foot, what is he, 330? Or six, six foot, eight. six foot eight, 330, yeah, six foot, <laughs> six foot eight, 330 pound, you know, dude that, you know, completely changes the complexion of your interior offensive line. Yeah, I thought it worked out really well. Let's keep the stock uh, segment moving here. Dan, what's your stock up for the week? I've got ball security. Nebraska did not fumble at all against Michigan State. Uh, they've only got one fumble in their last three games, and that was that weird Riker Fife play that he should just fill on the ball against Purdue. Uh, on the entire season, just eight fumbles, only five lost. Those are major, major improvements from what we've seen over the last couple of years. I don't think Mike Riley and his crew have gotten enough credit for how well Nebraska's held on to the ball this season. And I think last year Tim Beck's offense just led to more fumbles because you had so many more zone reads. That's and, a good point, and, yeah. Um, kind of choice plays, I would say, that mm-hmm. would lead to those turnovers. But, yeah, nonetheless, it's been a big deal. Um, Robin Washett, stock up. I got to go with the atmosphere inside Memorial Stadium. I mean, when you have fifth-year seniors saying that was the best atmosphere and game environment they've ever experienced – uh, in their careers. I mean, that says a lot. And I think any one of those 90,000 people, and us press included, uh, that were in and just kind of soaking that in would say the same thing. I mean, it was unreal. Just the, the level of just excitement and passion going on in there. And I guess that's what happens when you have a whole season of frustration uh, pent up uh, when you unleash a celebration like that. Yeah, it was special, and uh, we'll talk more about this with Nate Klaus and recruiting, what it let, did for recruiting. But um, let's stick on that topic. Nate, your stock up. Well, I'm going to kind of piggyback off that and go with the atmosphere and the impact it did have on recruiting. I mean, um, the the that overall feeling inside Memorial Stadium Saturday night is something that you can't you can't uh, duplicate, and you can tell a recruit all you know till you're blue in the face that Nebraska's you know atmosphere inside Memorial Stadium is the best in the country but these guys actually were able to witness it firsthand there were nine guys on campus and uh and they're still days after the visit guys are tweeting out let me clear my throat and and that's i mean that lets you know right there that they're still thinking about it and uh it's a huge i mean huge boost for nebraska right there yeah it, it was cool during the game to see recruits that weren't at the game tweeting wish i was at the nebraska game right now that's pretty legit yeah, and, and those night games are just special as Nebraska has won. Was it 17, 18 night games in a row? 18 man? in a row at home. Yeah, and, and incredible. T- and they, they've beaten Ohio State at night in Lincoln, Michigan, uh, Michigan State now. I mean, Wisconsin, pretty much all the big dogs in the Big Ten have not won in Memorial Stadium now at night. Now let's shift over, uh, stock down. I'm going to start it out, guys, with Nebraska traveling to Rutgers in November. It just yeah. does not make sense, Big Ten. Why do you put Nebraska out to New Jersey for a mid-late November Week 11 game? Um, I don't know. It just—it's about as unBig Ten to me as it gets for Nebraska having to go all the way out to Rutgers right now this time of year. Yeah, and it's just kind of the the consequences of conference expansion. I mean, just think about—you know—it's only going to get worse too. I mean, you're going to have basketball tournaments in Washington D.C. Uh, I mean, that's coming in the real recent future here, and so it's uh, just kind of one of those deals that. Uh, you know, it's the way college athletics in general are these days that, you know, as you're chasing the money, you're kind of uh, putting the fans in a real tough spot and teams in a real tough spot to travel halfway across the country uh, after 11 straight games without a bye week. I much uh, I like those uh, Big 12 South November trips a lot oh, yeah. better when you could wear <laughs> yeah. shorts and get barbecue in Texas. <laughs> Head down to Austin. Yeah, I can, mm-hmm. I can handle that. College Station. All right, let's uh, stick on uh, stock down. Um, Dan Hoppen, what do you have? I'm going to go with Shalit Calhoun, Michigan State's uh, supposedly star defensive end. Did not have a single tackle 
in the game on Saturday. Really? I didn't even know that. No, yeah. He had no defensive stats whatsoever. And his excuse for that after the game, or his reasoning, is that he saw um, fellow senior Joel Heath got hurt uh, earlier in the game, another Michigan State defense lineman, and he said it was because of a dirty play by Nebraska. So here's the here's a quote from Calhoun. He said, It wasn't anyone else's doing. It was my own. My mind wasn't focused, and I was just in a crisis that one of my friends got hurt from a dirty play from one of their offensive linemen, and that kind of just hurt. Come well, on, man. Man up. You played terribly. Don't try and blame Nebraska's quote dirty play i'm sure the nfl scouts that were there will take that into account shall yeah. yeah seriously i i think uh whatever nfl team ends up with him they're going to be disappointed <laughs> well, i'll just say that remember what w- that defensive tackle from michigan state a couple years was it worthy did he end up becoming a very good pro or is he just is he out of the league remember jarrell worthy oh yeah i think he didn't he get hurt i think he got hurt yeah he hasn't played a lot of their defensive guys though have not been good pros that i can think of i mean do yeah their defensive backs are pretty good but now quarter- think trey waynes isn't playing yet now quarterbacks they've had a lot of quarterbacks yes. success in the nfl yes, they have. but uh defensive backs or, or sorry defensive linemen linebackers uh for as dominant as they've been have not been good in the next level yeah, all right you would expect that to translate better nate klaus give me your um stock down well stock down i'm going to keep it on the d line but this time on nebraska's d line i i think they played you know very well against michigan state but uh still lack of pressure on the quarterback you know no hurries on connor cook no sacks on connor cook and uh they even brought some pressure looks um you know against connor and, and for whatever reason those blitzes just didn't work out um and i think that maybe they were able to to frustrate him a couple times but you know by and large, they weren't able to get Connor Cook on the ground or, you know, let alone get any sacks on him. Quoting the movie um, Coming to America, that boy good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robin Washett, let's close out with your stock down. All right. Well, when we asked Mike Riley after, you know, on Monday, you know, looking back on that game, you know, what if there's always moves that you make that you question. And he said probably the biggest one that, you know, he was second guessing was the uh, decision to squib kick that last kickoff that Michigan State ended up fielding perfectly and returning to you know up towards close to the 40 yard line and uh, put them in position to make that game winning field goal and so uh, I think most fans were scratching their heads and I guess to their credit had the ball been kicked in the right spot it would have worked but you know that, that's a real roll of the dice to trust you know a sophomore kicker to make that type of kick in that situation. Uh, I think they most people would agree you're better off Kick just deep. Boot, booting that thing out of the back of the end zone and <laughs> let let Connor Cook go you know 50 yards or whatever to get in field goal just range. the reaction of like all the it was just a collection of what are you doing yeah, it was this oh no here we go again <laughs> but Nebraska did prevail Robin Dan uh, thanks again here for joining me here on the on the uh, HOL show Robin I'll see you in New Jersey Dan uh, you'll have full coverage of basketball this weekend mm-hmm. uh, against Mississippi Valley State and Jerry Rice will not be there or will he we don't know that he won't be there maybe he will if he is i'll get the exclusive interview all right well thanks guys we come back we'll close the show with recruiting and nate klaus next this is huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics I'm, I'm really becoming more and more convinced that this 500-mile radius thing is real. We had a couple official visits drive here this last weekend, and those that's positive because family's coming. That, that's a good thing, and, and kids that we really want, and they're able to get here uh, relatively easy by driving. 
And that was Nebraska head coach Mike Riley as the Huskers had arguably their biggest recruiting weekend of the year. And we bring back in Nate Klaus to get the full rundown as the Huskers had nine official visitors in. Of those nine, six, Nate, were not Husker commits, I believe, when the weekend started. They did get one commit. And he was a 500-mile radius guy, running back Trey Bryant at a Christian Brothers College, uh, a powerhouse high school program in St. Louis. Yeah, absolutely, uh, one of the best. You know, depending on who you look, you know, what service you look at, uh, or what newspaper you look at, uh, you know, uh, Trey Bryant is regarded as maybe the top overall player in the state of Missouri. So uh, I think he fits exactly what Nebraska wants. Not not only on the field, but off of it too. He's an extremely high character kid, very well disciplined. Uh, he's a smart kid, um, and and he does the little things that it takes, I think, to be successful uh, once you make that transition to the next level. He's he's a very driven um, player, very hungry, and um, you know I think he's just a perfect pickup for Nebraska and on all sorts of levels. How did this all play out with his recruitment? I mean, had he been to Nebraska before Saturday? Um, I mean, when, how did, because he committed to Kansas State quite some time ago. I mean, was this a lot of behind the scenes recruiting led by a guy like Kenny Wilhite, who really can't recruit, but he's a St. Louis native, knows the lay of the land down there? I mean, how did it all play out for Nebraska? Yeah, this had been something that, you know, there, the lines of communication between Trey Bryant and Nebraska had been open going all the way back to last spring. Uh, they just had not, you know, officially pulled the trigger on that scholarship offer. Um, you know, but there was definitely some interest there from both parties. Well, as things kind of progressed, he, you know, he committed to Kansas State during the summer. And as things kind of progressed during this fall, I think it became clear that, you know, maybe Kansas State wasn't the place that, that he thought it was. And uh, he was going to be opening up his recruitment. Well, Nebraska had uh, obviously knew this because they had kind of, you know, stayed in communication with him. And um, after seeing some more of his senior film, I think they, they really fell in love with uh, with what they saw and went ahead and offered. And, and really, I think when Nebraska offered, that was kind of the tipping point. You know, he uh, he took an official visit to, to Minnesota. Um, you know, just days after that, he decommitted from Kansas State, you know, the week leading up to his Nebraska visit and actually committed to Nebraska the Thursday uh, before the, the trip to, uh, to Lincoln for that uh, Michigan State game. So he, uh, I mean, he basically knew that where he, you know, Nebraska was the place that he wanted to go. And, and really the, the visit last weekend just solidified that even more. All right, there's a lot of ground to cover here, Nate, so it's going to be kind of rapid-fire mode. I'm going to ask you about a guy. I, I just want you to give me a quick synopsis uh, to keep this thing moving on how the weekend went. Let's start Juco because he is an early enrollee defensive back, Markel Simmons. How did it go? What do you see on that one? Uh, Nebraska is definitely the leader with Markel Simmons following the visit. He is going to take an official visit to uh, Utah on the 20th. And set, he told me he's going to be making up his mind shortly after that. And, and really what the, it's going to come down to is academics. If he feels like Utah uh, doesn't stack up with Nebraska's uh, academics and academic support system and their graduation rates, then he's definitely going to be going to Nebraska. If they do stack up well uh, between you know academically between Nebraska and Utah. Then he said he's going to have a tough decision on his hands, but he absolutely loved the visit, um, really enjoyed the time that he spent with Mike Riley and even Mike Riley's family, you know, getting to know Mike Riley's wife and everything. Uh, he really enjoyed that time. And uh, being a mid-year ju- junior college transfer, he thinks he could, you know, obviously come in and help that. Safety or corner? 
Uh, safety. Safety, okay. Now, we'll keep these two guys lumped together since they're both Michigan commits. But David Reese, a three-star linebacker out of Michigan, 5.73-star on Rivals.com. And then Kingston Davis, a 242-pound running back out of Alabama. Um, he is also committed to Michigan. Um, what do you see on those two guys? Is Nebraska a legitimate player? Well, like you said, both Michigan commits at this point in time. David Reese is not going to end up at Michigan. He's a mid-year enrollee, uh, and Michigan just does not have the room to take him. So uh, that's, that, that really helps Nebraska here because Nebraska does have the room to take a, a mid-year linebacker like David Reese. And uh, he came on the visit with his uh, best friend, David Fitzpatrick, the wide receiver out of, uh, out of Farmington, uh, Michigan. Those two are best friends, former teammates. Both of their fathers are best friends, and they all drove up together. So, um, you know, the, the opportunity to, to once again play um, on the same team for those two is huge. I think there's a couple more visits for David Reese, uh, most notably to Texas and Florida before ultimately deciding where he's going to go. But I think Nebraska, I mean, really opened his eyes, and I think Nebraska is right there at the top with him right now. Now, Kingston Davis, the same thing. Uh, he's wanting to. To, to go somewhere. Is he a running back, Nate? Or, or? He, he's a running back. Uh, I think Michigan's recruiting him more as a fullback. But he wants to be, you know, your your every down kind of you know your workhorse type of guy. Um, you know, in, in Nebraska, obviously, they're wanting to take two running backs in this class, and I think that uh, Reggie Davis does like a bigger back sometimes. Uh, there, I think there is some, you know, infatuation with a with a big physical guy, and that's exactly what Kingston Davis is. He's six foot, two hundred and forty five pounds. I mean, he's a monster in there, and um, you know. I think the way they describe that they want to use him, you know, really intrigues Kingston Davis and, um, you know, being bringing more of a physical presence to that run game, being that thumper when they need a thumper. So. SEC has a lot of guys like that. You, when you look in that league, and Randy Jordan once made a comment to me years ago that, hey, I want that back in my garage that has the snow tires on that you can just <laughs> kind of put in there and, and plow through people. Exactly, and that's what Kingston Davis is. So um, he, he came up on the visit and really just had his eyes open. Um, did not think that he was going to like it as much as he did um, but uh, you know I think Nebraska is right at the top with him now and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens you know what other visits he decides to go on you know going forward and uh, you know when he decides to you know come to a final decision but just like David Reese I don't think he ends up at Michigan. Now Lamar Jackson has been a kid that's taken a lot of visits Nebraska was his fifth visit Arizona Arizona State Michigan Nebraska and then Utah um, where do you see it? I mean, because I first of all, for a guy that's taken five, that's unheard of to get five visits done by November, uh, whatever, November 10th. Um, and he's done a lot of work, a lot of officials. He's maybe one of the only guys in the country that's done that at this point. Um, is he close to a decision now that all five visits are done? Uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson will be making his decision in January. He's going to be doing kind of a uh, hat tour. Well, not a hat tour, but it, he's actually going to be doing a, a video um, presentation with Bleacher Report. Uh, they they had kind of approached him about doing this, so I think he'll probably know where he's going to you know going to be going. <laughs> they were not, but, like a recruiting guy at yeah. Bleacher Report. I mean, that'd well, be interesting to there's see. There's been a couple players that have done these video announcements uh, with Bleacher Report, so that'll be interesting. But I think he's going to know where he wants to go. You know, middle of December, or so and the staffs will probably know. And the staffs will probably know, but it won't be released 
least until you know uh, early to mid January at some point. But this is huge uh, to get an impact playmaker like Lamar Jackson on campus for his fifth official, fifth and final official visit. Um, you know, he's he's taken trips to Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Michigan. Uh, came in and saw an unreal atmosphere at Nebraska. And, and really, there's a couple of things that the Huskers have going for him here. Is, uh, one, he wants to be uh, an impact guy right away. He wants to have an opportunity to come in as a true freshman and, and see time. And, and I think that he sees great opportunity at Nebraska to do that. And second of all, he wants to go somewhere where he feels like uh, – He's, you know, surrounded by family. Well, Keith Williams has a, a ton of family out in Northern California, and a couple of which actually have coached Lamar Jackson in seven-on-seven. Seven. And uh, I think there's a, an uncle or a cousin or somebody that actually the uncle that actually coaches on Lamar Jackson. Every team. recruit's got the uncle. Every every recruit has an uncle that knows somebody. So, <laughs> so, but that's really helped uh, get Nebraska in the door here because initially. You know, over the summer, Lamar Jackson released his top 10, and Nebraska was not on that. So to think that, uh, you know, a top 100 player in the country had gone from, you know, four or five months ago and not having Nebraska in the mix to, you know, taking an official visit to to the Huskers for his last time, uh, that's huge. So I think they'll be visiting him, and uh, those in-home visits will uh, tell the story. And the last guy we need to cover before we wrap it up, Nate, is Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry, not Lamar Jackson. Um, Desmond Fitzpatrick, a four-star wide receiver, committed to Louisville, visited Nebraska. Uh, clearly, Louisville uh, got a little fired up because they made an offer to a Lincoln High kid, Cordarius Bailey, this week. Uh, but what do you see on that right now? Well, I think right now uh, Nebraska is considered the leader for for Desmond Fitzpatrick. Of, you know, following his trip to to Nebraska, he uh, and this kid's an animal. He he's a, a finalist for Michigan Player of the Year. Had uh, close to thirteen hundred yards receiving uh, this season. And uh, you watch his film, and he's just uh, I mean, he's a difference maker out there. Uh, and he, he's a little bit bigger bodied receiver that Nebraska re- would really like to add to this class as well. So, um, and as I mentioned earlier, he's best friends with David Reese. Uh, so that definitely does not hurt Nebraska's chances going forward. Now he will take uh, a couple of, a couple of other official visits, most notably to Louisville, where he's committed, uh, and then probably also one to Indiana and Illinois. But I really like Nebraska's chances here with these teams. Uh, and he was a kid who was just smiling ear to ear uh, during that entire game. Uh, during the tunnel walk, he was uh, could hardly contain his excitement. Following the visit, he uh, you know the excitement was still there. And his relationship with Keith Williams is is off the charts. He said, "I'd know that if I go to Nebraska, Keith Williams can get me to the NFL." And I don't know about know that I can say that about any other school that's recruiting me. So that's going to be a huge part of all this. Well, lots of momentum for Nebraska off the Michigan State game, and uh, if they can take care of business at Rutgers this weekend, uh, the coaches will even have some more momentum as they go on the road uh, for a bye week. That's Nate Klaus. Nate, thanks again uh, for all the hard work you, Mike, and Brian Munson provide. Uh, throughout the recruiting weekend yeah you bet and that wraps it up here for another edition of the husker online show uh, make sure you stick with us we'll have complete post-game coverage from nebraska's trip out to rutgers here on the site throughout the weekend thanks again for joining us this week on huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics 